Hello and welcome to Conspiracy of Light, a podcast about Babylon 5 in which I and my friend Josue Cardona talk about Babylon 5. How you doing, Josue? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm fantastic. I'm I'm we got aliens this week, so I'm very happy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're back to kind of uh whatever the new normal is for Babylon 5 after all the transitional stuff. Yes. Oh, but I was I was so happy. Oh, finally getting answers and seeing my old friends again. It's great. <laughs> you feel like you got answers? I do. And well, okay. answers to like where where was everybody? Where, sure. Where okay. Yeah. What I was mean, the it's like everybody's coming like? back to the station, and now we're getting back to business as usual. Yeah. And there's so many different things happening in this episode. It's hard to even encapsulate all of the change. I mean, it's called Revelations, uh, which I guess is the discovery of things. The like Revelations is usually like prophetic, right? What's like the reveal of things? Um, Revelations. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think right. I mean, I, I no, get it. I, I like, like that. I mean, if it, even if it's not true, I like it. It could also <laughs> be the, la- the big. It, there's a lot of big reveal in this episode. Yeah. Well, I took it in that sense, not in the um, last chapter of uh, of a long book uh, full of apocalyptic uh, <laughs> <laughs> prophecies. You wouldn't be referring to one particular book, would you? <laughs> not really. No. Just you know, all those books that do that in the last chapter. Yeah. <laughs> all the prophetic yeah well this is definitely not the last chapter in fact this is this is heading us into some really interesting territory yeah yeah so where would you like to start there is so much hanging out here to to pick from um so my boy jakar i mean i mean (laughs) jakar was like i i I forgot what happened right before but it was like um I didn't expect him. I didn't expect to see him in a fighter jet, basically, in battle. Okay. This is. It reminded me of when when Londo like volunteered on that mission, and it was like, oh, we just learned that he's a pilot. Like he was, or he used to be a pilot, and he can fly the ship, which was funny. Like Sinclair used to hop into the ship all the time too. Yeah. Everybody can fly, but it was Everybody it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was interesting to see Jakar out there fighting this this menace and coming coming back right and. And Jakar is scared, right? Like yeah. he is terrified by what he saw. And to the point where something that really surprised me was when he told Londo, like, like, listen, I know like we don't get along, but we may have There's to work together. Happening. Yeah. <laughs> we may have to get together and, and, and stop this. This is this is not good what's coming. So so let's start there. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that he has had I mean, he he's uh, he's reading the book of Jaquan. He's finding that there is, you know, the, the there are scriptures about the ancient enemy, and he is identifying that this this alien race that he saw, and he only saw the ships, but he, he you know he's engaged in combat, and his his uh, his wingman, I guess is what you call him, his wingman basically died in order to save Jakar, so Jakar could get back and report. Mm-hmm. That this enemy is here, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, he's he's scared to death. It's uh, it's kind of surprising because you're so used to Jakar being sarcastic and strong, and now he's kind of shaken in his boots, and it's it's interesting. Even you know, bowing to Malari, which yeah. is uh, totally not Jakar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and 
Malari is, is like, oh, really, Jakar, you're 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 asking me for help? This is a this is an interesting day. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then what Lando does is it's like he talks to Morden about what happened. Yeah. And then he gives him new information that causes the death of of more Narn. It's like, oh man. And then he I kind of feel like Londo is testing the waters. Okay. I think he still is, right? He's like, he's like, he doesn't know exactly what's going on. He gave this information, and now he knows for sure that that Morden went and, and killed the Narn, right, when they were investigating that thing because it came up in the meeting, and, and Londo was like, oh, no. Like, yep, that was, I did it. I did it again. <laughs> I think I should stop talking to, to Morden. <laughs> That's the impression that uh, that I got. Yeah, like, it I seems don't... like he's on some kind of slippery slope where he's like, uh, you know, why don't you just eliminate the whole Narn homeworld and give it time, Ambassador? And he just like the look on his face is just like, oh. yeah, yeah. He's he's having you know, the realizations, but he doesn't do anything. This is the important piece here. He doesn't do anything to stop it from happening, even knowing that it's a potential. No, I mean he literally gave Morden the information to do exactly. more harm. Yeah. So there. Regardless of whether or not you see Malaria as this tragic character who's being pulled along by wills that are not his own, he made a choice. Oh, yes, he did. He made a choice maybe against his own conscience because you can see it in his face. You can see the kind of the, like Peter Jurassic just nails it on, on these, these facial expressions yeah. when things go wrong. Yeah. Because um, you can see the look of astonishment, awe, and shock that he experiences, and yet he does nothing about it. Something's hardening his heart and keeping him from responding Yep. any differently than he is it's that pull between i want to be the big guy and i don't want to hurt anybody that's going on in his eyes i see it so if if jakar and londo are opposite sides of the same coin in a way or and and literally opposite sides of a of a decades long generations long battle right like they hate each other they hate yeah. each other so much but Londo hasn't seen what Jakar saw. So Londo is basically still like, like, like he's, I, I think he's still on mission. Right. And Jakar yeah. has been, he's like, he's, he's off mission. <laughs> he's like, whoa, whoa, think, everything is different now. We can't act like we used to. And, and Londo is still like, uh, maybe, but you know, I hate the Narn. So yeah, let's kill yeah. them all. So I mean, but it's still uncomfortable, right? And and, and I'm and it seems like he's uncomfortable with, like, Morden hasn't asked for anything yet. You know, it's like we'll we'll keep doing you favors, you know, for now. Well, we just got you. if you hear anything out on the rim, just just let us know. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Whew, those two. Hmm. And I, I like the way the episode opened, where they're they're having the what what is that the meeting called with all the leaders. Um, uh, it, it's basically the council meeting. The council, yeah, yeah. So, so they're having the council meeting, and Londo's like, like I'm offended, right? Like we've got Lanier and Natoth here instead of instead of Delenn and Jakar. Get them out of here. We should kick them off the council. <laughs> we we should ask the governments for a new ambassador for this meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I can't ever tell if Londo is just doing this to like he, he almost enjoys playing the role of antagonist. Yeah, yeah. He's a rabble rouser. He really is. He just <laughs> likes to shake things. And he also doesn't really, like, he doesn't really care about what's going, it doesn't seem like he really cares about what's going on in the council. 
but yeah, he, if any chance to make a mockery of it, he does. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's to his own needs, his own position. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just realized they didn't even show like an initial meeting of Sheridan and Londo or Sheridan and anybody for that matter, because yeah, it's no. just like, it's almost as if we've always been here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's like some time has passed, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the first time we see Sheridan in this episode, he's sitting at the, at the council table, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. With, I forgot With his name. Londo and who are you thinking of? So, um, Oh, why can't I remember? Kosh? Kosh, yeah. Yeah, Kosh yeah, was yeah. there. Even Kosh is there. Even Kosh is there. He moved his eye, like, thing. Like, <laughs> he just, like, yeah. Surreptitiously just like, <laughs> Yep. I love it when he speaks. It's a it's a shame. Uh, I guess it's good. Maybe he doesn't speak more often. It's more special when he does. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, a, he's a, a person of few words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... That's that's one big revelation that's going on is this this learning that Jakar has had and he's trying to bring back what he thinks is the truth about things. Yep. To reveal to other people. Yep. Then we have Mr. Garibaldi. This is, this is the next re- reveal you want to go with? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I mean, so, I, I yeah, didn't know yeah, where to go yeah. next. Uh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there there's so much there's so much opening up here. But uh well, like, is, like, actually, I mean, I don't, I don't want to. Can, can we do the lens? Can we talk about the lens for a second? Absolutely. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about the lens. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about the lens for a second. That reveal. Uh, she got hair. Her face kind of <laughs> changed. Like, it was. So, my understanding. So, so um, try not to spoil anything for me, right? But please help me best. clear this up. Uh, so, she went into the cocoon to become more human. To be a bridge between the humans and the Minbari? Well, let's be clear. That's the statement she makes after the fact. That's what she said, right? Right, exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I, I read that. I understood that's what that's what she was saying. Okay. But it's pretty clear that she did not know what was going to happen. Hmm. Because when she comes out and she has this hard exoskeleton, yeah. she doesn't know what's going on. Oh, so uh, also like... This, this is interesting, and I don't remember if we recorded this this conversation that we had, but okay. the we were watching it on Amazon Prime, right? This whole thing right. started because the whole show was on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yes, and I so remember. When we finished the first, uh, <laughs> when we finished the first season, I immediately saw the, the um, points of departure on on the second season, and then yeah. in the in the introduction, right when it starts at the beginning and it shows mm-hmm. the different actors, mm-hmm. it showed. Delenn, I was so annoyed. Uh, like fully, like un, like beyond cocoon status. Yeah. Right. And we we t- I, again, I don't know if we recorded this, but we we talked about how stupid that was. It's like you had this huge revelation, right? It's like this big mystery about mm-hmm. oh, Delenn is 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 transforming. She's gonna look different. And before she even releases from the cocoon, you showed her like smiling at the camera, like if it's a sitcom, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, almost like she's on Love Boat. <laughs> right, right. So, so here's what's interesting. What I did was, since it's not on Amazon Prime anymore, I debated whether or not to watch it on Amazon. And after a lot of research, I decided to go with the Voodoo version. Okay. So I bought it on Voodoo. That doesn't happen in the intro. The intro is different. 
Really? She's not revealed. Fascinating. I know. Actually, I think she appears like she did before. Yeah, in her old form. In her old form, yeah, yeah. That's so weird. We're talking about Delenn in like different forms now, but <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, it was in her original form uh, or the one we, we met before. Uh, and and yeah, it didn't ruin it. And I was like, I, I watched attentively to see that again, just so, so I could bash it again. I was like, oh, wait a minute. So there really are, like when you, when you research this part of um, like the different versions that exist on on DVD and uh, and on the different streaming services. It is so interesting, like the versions that went to different countries and why some of it is widescreen and why some of it is full screen. It's so weird. And so I don't know exactly what version it is that's on Amazon and what's here on, on Vudu, <laughs> but they are definitely not the same. They are very, very different. Well, what's on iTunes is pretty much what was what's on Amazon, except what's on Amazon seems to be blurrier. Um, hmm, interesting. So that's interesting. But um, I remember reading that, you know, they talked about the fact that they didn't show Delenn in her changed form in the first episode uh, credits. And right. uh, Straczynski talked about that and said, you know, that's we didn't want to show you that. Right, right. Um, but he didn't talk about the fact that, that it happened on the second one. And I'm guessing on the second one, it may be like some kind of mistake by TBS or whoever, Turner Broadcasting, whoever was actually running it at the time. Yeah. Because that seems like a, a typical sort of stupid mistake that was done by someone who's a showrunner that doesn't understand science fiction or reveals. Yeah, And remember yes. that when, when Babylon 5 is coming out, uh, TV is mostly episodic and not dramatic arcs. So they're not thinking in those terms. Also, like, the creators of the show are not involved in necessarily the broadcast part of it. And right. so I, I've heard of di different decisions that the broadcast uh, companies have made. And there's like a technician that would queue up the, the tape, you know, at yeah. certain times. It's like this is this is how TV worked in in the 90s still. And so it's very possible that it was one of those things. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it was in the first episode where they showed it. So I remember we were talking about like it was four points of departure. They showed Delenn out of the cocoon. And she didn't even leave the cocoon in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point too. <laughs> so I was surprised because I had seen that that um that that snippet, right? In the, in that first, you know, a long time ago when we saw it the first time. The it was interesting here to see her completely covered. Right? Like she had she looked like like a like a rock, like kind of right. Like she had this yeah this um scaly skin on her and i thought that was interesting and then when the was it was it the doctor yeah it was dr franklin right dr like, franklin touched her arm and it kind and of it like peeled broke. away yeah yeah i was like oh this is cool this is cool and then <laughs> but then we didn't see any of that and she just appeared with her with her hair done <laughs> in a white uh in a like perfectly white robe mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and, and so she so she herself. lost Sun Membari features, right? And gained yeah. a full head of hair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd so love I, to hear the history behind that, by the way. Was she just tired of the prosthetic? Or like the actress? <laughs> you know, like I'd, I'd love to hear some of this behind the scenes stuff. There, I, I don't know all this behind the scenes stuff. I know there was originally a plan for some kind of transition. Okay. Uh, what okay. that transition was, was supposed to be originally from male to female. 
Um, mm, got it, but got I, it. I guess in the end they they chose this particular transition. But I, I don't think it had anything to do with the Lynn's choice or or I should the say actress. Mira Furlan's yeah. choice. Yeah, I think it was already planned for something to happen of this nature. Well, it is. It is also like the like the as far as trans. I mean, the the uh, whether it was male to female, female to male. Like that's that's interesting that they even considered that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like like Star Trek, like Deep Space Nine, had it uh, conceptually, yeah. right? But we never actually saw different versions of Jax, right? Like uh, different uh, yeah. genders of, of Jax, for example. But um, that would have been interesting. But I think this is this is cool because Delenn. Like or the actress basically, it's like she had to wear a suit and now she like got to wear sweatpants. It was like such an easier day for her at makeup <laughs> yeah. every day. I bet Jakar yeah. and was like super jealous. <laughs> I'm sure because <laughs> <laughs> Jakar looks so alien, right? Like the makeup is so so good, and then they were like, actually, you know what? We're not even gonna cover your hair. It's fine, <laughs> Delenn. Just to like just show up we'll just like do regular makeup it's cool <laughs> <laughs> oh man and so we don't really know she doesn't really talk much after right there isn't no there isn't she much just to lend. says something like well this is you know uh we decided as a, a race that we were going to do this but it, it, we know that's not true her it's government the... <laughs> didn't actually approve this move that's right that's right that's right it wasn't even approved by the Great Council, although it was approved by some members of the Great Council. It was, it was, I'd say it was supported, right? It was like, oh, you're going to do this anyway, so fine. <laughs> well, you know, the one guy said, let prophecy keep to itself. And the other guy yeah. says, here, have this triliminal, <laughs> triliminal yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But I don't think anybody had a clue what was going to come out of it. That's they just knew that there was some kind of prophecy that it had to happen. Hmm. Yeah, yeah interesting so interesting yeah it's uh so yes we we have the delin reveal that's pretty yeah. darn huge yeah is it though <sighs> is it i'm going back to when i was watching it was a pretty big reveal for me okay and i don't okay. think i had actually seen I, I i guess i missed the credits when it actually happened got it got it because originally it was like oh that's oh okay yeah like there's again there's a lot of mystery here and you're right there is some like she's she's lying you know <laughs> about about uh what she's doing and like i don't know what control she had over this we don't know i don't know there's so much that we don't know about it and so it it kind of feels anticlimactic where again it's like she's even like she's less alien now yeah she and, is definitely less alien yeah like, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it yet. It just, it doesn't feel as big to me okay. right now, but there's still a lot of mystery there. There's still a lot of questions unanswered, but as far as revelations go, it was a reveal. We did see her yeah, yes. finally. <laughs> also, it's like, it was like two whole episodes. Pretty much. She was in that cocoon. That was a long yeah. time. With Lanier just uh, dotting it with a rag. Yeah, yeah. A it was basis. getting like mucusy at the end. It was not. <laughs> yeah. It was not. It was not clean. Um, and then, so I mean, I guess now we can go to Garibaldi, who also was like just in bed for two episodes. Well, he's in a coma. Yes, he was yeah, in bed for yeah, two yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah. As an actor's job, that was a pretty easy job. <laughs> yeah. Again, man, 
season two was way easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right. Jakar's still like, well, what the hell? <laughs> I had to do green screen. Where's I had to find freedom? a jet. I had to like see my comrade's eye. I have like six hours in makeup. <laughs> he probably has more hours in makeup than almost anybody else. Definitely. Yeah. Natoth and him are just like the best of friends because they're sitting in that chair for so many hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're sitting there talking while they're doing all the makeup stuff. Hating everybody else. Exactly. Like Londo and his stupid crest. <laughs> <laughs> his peacock feathers. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Garibaldi is... Uh, I, I love this moment. I love this idea that Franklin comes to Sheridan and says, you know what, I've got this... I've got this choice I can make. I can use this device that I found and it can bring back Garibaldi. And this just beautiful moment for Sheridan when he comes down and he says, you know what? I'm going to do this. You take care of this and I'll, I'll be the one to give the life to Garibaldi. Yeah. And even better, they're like, let's take turns. Let's both do yeah. it. Yeah. Like one of us mans the machine. And and I, the thing I love the most is, and I love when any show does this, it's when you introduce something at some point and then you don't assume that the audience forgot about it because right. it still exists right so so it's like remember that episode with the souls obviously uh-huh. right and uh-huh. then it's like oh that came into fruition big time in the finale right just in yeah. conversation it's like oh, okay yeah. now we have an answer to that the this was fantastic it's like oh yeah this thing exists it's still on the ship why wouldn't we use it we know what it can do. We know that if we use it in doses, we can do tons of great stuff with that. So I love that. The only thing that is still like out there that they haven't used that, but that this gives me more hope that we'll see in the future is that, um, uh, Oh, what's her name? Talia is her name? Talia the, Winters. Yeah. The psychor. Yeah. 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 Talia yeah. Winters. Right. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's like, super upgraded right she's like they gave her this all of this power and we haven't seen her since uh do anything that isn't like i keep assuming that in in the background when we don't see her she is practicing and practicing and she's got like super telekinesis and all these crazy abilities but every time we've seen her since she got the upgrade she's just been low-key doing things like normally you know, it, it almost even seemed like she even struggled a little bit with Garibaldi, but I'm like, did you really, you're, you're super Talia now. Come on. Right. Right. Anyway, it almost that's... feels like they might've forgotten something. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But again, the, the fact that they Ironheart use. Jason and his gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the fact that they use the device here gives me hope that yeah. these, you know, everything has been written very uh, intelligently before. And I like. You know, like, yeah, they didn't mention some of the actors that were in the pilot. They never, I mean, some of the characters, they don't really mention them anymore. But, you know, like, I I don't expect that we'll stop talking about Sinclair anytime soon, right? So, like, I'm, I'm glad that there's, like, a respect of what came before. Yeah. And so, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I liked, I like that. And I like what they did. I, I'm, I'm with you. I love what Sheridan did. I love how Franklin, you know, took care of that situation. And also, it worked. We didn't have a scene. It's like, oh, it's not working. Like, oh, just a little bit more. It's like, oh, and it's like, hey, you know, like we know <laughs> yeah, this you thing could works. have gone any direction with that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was a good plot device. It was like, yep, we can use this to wake him up. Do it. Use it. Yep. So he finally gets awake. Yeah, he doesn't remember. 
Talia comes in. She helps him remember. He remembers everything. <laughs> yep. So so let's rewind just a little bit because Jack, the uh, his uh, I guess number one in security. I guess I don't know. Like his his taught next him everything step down. He knows. Huh? He taught him everything he knows. He said. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever yeah. know that? He comes in while while uh, Garibaldi's waking up just long enough to listen to see if Garibaldi remembers him, and when he when he thinks he does, he starts to pull his gun, and then when Gar- Garibaldi says, "I don't remember anything," he puts his gun back down, walks out. Oh, it's all okay. It's all good. It's okay. Weird moment because I I'm thinking that if he did that. He would have been well. I guess, I guess the same thing would have happened to him that happened to him here. Yeah, he, he would have been pulled off the ship and taken to President Clark. Yep. So what do you, what do you think? What do you think happened? What with him when he was taken off the ship? Yeah. So that's a really good question. I mean, so President Clark tells Sheridan, "I need this guy," because now that we know that he he shot Garibaldi in the back. We're ready to press charges. We're ready to do what we need to do. And, and he's tied to the assassination of uh, President Santiago. And so Clark comes on, talks to Sharon, and he's like, look, you know, I, I, I very much honored this man, and I really need to find out what's going on. So I need you to send this criminal on the next transport ship out, and I will deal with him. Yep. Which... Uh, by Sheridan's reaction is not the the usual. Like that's not a normal course of action. Yeah, it does seem pretty clear that it, it, this is out of character uh, for this particular role. Like he's like maybe uh, President Clark is taking some liberties with a situation that you know Sheridan doesn't understand. He's a good soldier. He's going to do what he's told to do. But it, you can see the question in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the transfer that happens to the prisoner. Exactly. Transferred somewhere on the trip to another ship. And President Clark is no longer answering his phone. <laughs> I forgot. Does Garibaldi learn about that in this episode? Learn about? The, the, the fact that he got lost, that Clark was lost in transport. Uh, you mean that uh, Jack was lost in transport? Jack, his, yeah, yeah, his, yeah, Jack, yeah. sorry. Um, I don't know. Uh, it just shows, uh, I guess it just shows Susan and uh, Sheridan talking about it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So so Garibaldi, maybe not quite up and around yet. Yeah. So again, you have the answer. So so let me let me conspiracy theorize. Okay. Uh, I'll just so, uh, sit tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll take this one. Um, so... <laughs> So th- there seems to be two possibilities. Although I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. They could both be misdirection. But even Garibaldi says like it's really suspicious that the vice president was sick and now he's fine, right? Uh, yeah. And and so he died. But there's also we also know that Psycor is really in there, moving things around. I think it might be both, right? It might be like some kind of Psycor vice president plot to to get things going. Um, so that, I mean, that, that's his, those are the hints that they've given us, but definitely no answers here. Cause he, he disappeared. And again, also very suspicious on the, on the part of the president. So that's a, put that one back in the mystery pile or add, add that to the mystery pile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's at least uh, uncover those clues real quick that, that mm-hmm. do point to Psychor. Mm-hmm. So Garibaldi's talking to Jack. He's, 
you know, he's he's doing the he's walking around with a cane. He's being really a badass with it, and, and Jack's being a badass too. So it's it's all this craziness. And he says, "Home Guard is nothing compared to us. You don't yeah. know what's coming, Garibaldi. You're yeah. either going to be on this side of the of the problem or this side of the problem, and we're the winning side." So you yeah. better get your house in order kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, at the end, you know, Garibaldi's threatened him. He's done all these things. You know, I can't wait to see you spaced out in airlock, all this other stuff. But then at the end, he does this little salute with his fingers and he goes, be seeing you. And that kind of triggers something in Garibaldi remembering that Bester gave that same. You're right. Gave that right. same salute to him before. You're right. You're right. Yep. Yep. Just a reminder. <laughs> That's right. For those who may not be remembering, thank you. That, that was me. particular salute comes from the prisoner. I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that reminder. Yep. That is a right. that is from the prisoner because uh, uh, in the show, the prisoner with Patrick McGowan, uh, some of the people that Patrick McGowan deals with keep giving him that exact same salute. Be seeing you. Hmm. So it's it's both a nod yeah. to the prisoner from Straczynski. But it's also a nod, I think, towards the intrigue that's involved in it when when it happens in the prisoner. By the way, the prisoner is the one where the spy gets taken to the yeah, gets to taken the, to the island. Right. So, so you you mentioned that, and I started watching it. I watched. Yeah. I think I watched. I watched at least the first episode. I don't remember if I watched the second one. Okay. But you watch the, more. The premise <laughs> you you established it was it sounded so cool. Um, I think I think it's a, it was on Hulu. When I watched it. Uh, it, it may be on Hulu. It may be on Amazon. It's, it's yeah. definitely out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd actually, I'd love to, to sit down and watch the whole thing. I'm, I'm very interested, but yeah. Uh, just wanted to let you know, you, you said, yeah. watch it. I watched, I watched, <laughs> I tried, I, I started. I mean, it can be campy, but, uh, the way that they do it is just so wonderfully surreal. And yeah, you know, even the things that look like they could be campy can be really surreal and it's I also beautifully shot like it looks it looks amazing but it does look it does look uncanny in many ways yeah. like what is going on here and also like whatever the the transfer that they did for for hulu looked like it looked really good it just looked yeah. good yeah way better than babylon 5 ironically <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable poor babylon 5 so I think they call attention to that that salute as maybe yeah. the connection between Psychor and it's all like all these little dots are on the yep. table, but you haven't quite put all the pieces together. You're trying to see how it all fits. Yeah. I remember Garibaldi said something, but you're right. That was, he specifically noticed that yeah. and reminded us. <laughs> so those are the, the, maybe the biggest reveals of the episode. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean... Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was it. I mean, the other stuff was uh, Sheridan and his sister. Yeah, so we, character we learn, development, basically. We learn a little bit about him, and and his wife, and that was it. Was a good. It was like it, it was it was. I liked that. I liked actually another revelation now that i think about it right he yeah. he didn't know this about his about his wife he felt very guilty mm-hmm. and he you know it was revealed to him that you know he really didn't have to feel guilty uh and i think i i believe that you know that that helped him um 
with his grieving and, and getting rid of a lot of that guilt. And so that was good to see because so far I like Tron. I like Tron in this position and <laughs> I am I want to see good things happen to him. So yeah, I mean, again, like to show it's it's I just want to keep watching. I just wanna yeah. I wanna move faster through it. It's okay. Yeah, when I when I when I ended the other night, I'm like, damn, I really want to watch more now. Yes, yes. Uh but uh just to talk about that just a little bit real quick. So we're talking about Sheridan having gone through some grief. And this is one of those things that, uh, as a therapist, we deal with grief a lot, um, you know, trying to help people make the transition from grief. And we see that guilt sort of aspect of it in the identified stages of grief. You know, guilt is a big part of that. Um, and I'm wondering, and it's just kind of a conjecture here, it, it seems like too much of an easy out to get to be able to say, oh, well, your grief doesn't matter now, but your guilt doesn't matter now because I've given you proof that your guilt is unfounded. Hmm. Whether or not that's going to hold in place or not, I don't know, because my understanding, or my my awareness of it is that you have to pass through that guilt stage of your own accord rather than having some external source sort of alleviate your guilt because you have to recognize that you yourself are creating the guilt and that it's not real. Hmm. Yeah. But I think I think I think we we the way I viewed it was that we saw that moment. Okay. Yeah. Like 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 I feel that the you know if, I don't know if you want to call it rationalization, right? That he yeah. needed to get through it. He was provided with the information, and he doesn't say as much, right? But I'm a, I'm a, like I got the feeling this is my perspective that it was he he was able to put that into a place that then let him move through right i was like oh okay okay it wasn't yeah. because it wasn't because she doesn't it's funny it's funny I, I think i think it's great the way you you um described it and the words that you use to describe it because she doesn't actually give him she doesn't say i forgive you there's no or, or she doesn't say it's not your fault it's my fault you don't have right. to feel guilty. That conversation right. never happens because she 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 died, right? <laughs> so yeah. she couldn't actually say that. What she did was she provided a piece of information and then he could do with it whatever he wanted. And we're, we're shown that he, like for him, it was information that he was able to use to move past this guilt that he had. He didn't have to. He could have still seen it as... That's fair. He could have gone through, oh, I could have done more. I should have done more. It doesn't matter if she had already made that decision or not. It, That's fair. But it is positioned in a very simple way, right? Where it was like, oh, she had already made that decision before me, so I don't... It wasn't me. It was going to happen anyway kind of thing. Like, right? We don't see way more of that. We don't see the the actual back and forth in his head. It's just presented right. in a in a simpler way, but again, but I, to to your point, I don't feel like she said you're absolved. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he could have easily tacked more onto it. I think yeah. I'm thinking yeah. more of it in in the line of like, what are we giving the audience in terms of understanding grief, and are we doing it in a way that is, you know, mimicking the real world, so to speak? It's it. I, I get it. Yeah. It's only really a small character point to just kind of build Sheridan up. I just I always look very critically at the way that we deal with psychological concepts 
yeah, in media. our TV shows and movies and our media. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it, no. it just, uh, you know, and, and it also kind of brings the question to me as to whether or not there is. I mean, what we're really talking about is whether or not technology can be used to effectively administer therapy as opposed to self-processing where you, you know, the, the idea of therapy is that you are becoming more aware of your unconscious um, versus having someone outside of you point out your unconscious. I don't know what, I don't know if there's a difference there. I have to think about that for a bit. That's interesting because um, I don't feel that technology really plays a role here that couldn't be played by other technology. Like this could have come in the form of a letter. This could have come in the okay. form of a photo with a note behind it. It could have, it could have just been his sister telling him something that she already sure. knew. Okay, so, so technology is outside of that. What I mean is something external versus something internal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to that point, like if you compare this to like the scene in Iron Man three when uh, Tony Stark is reliving a past memory. Yes, I remember that very yeah. well. It's like he's revisiting it. So that's all him. He has the information that he had before. He's yeah. just seeing it through a new light and ha- clearly in a way that couldn't be, that wasn't possible without this kind of technology. He's able to embody his younger self and revisit the last conversation he ever had with his parents. Right. And while this uh, that's presented here is presented as brand new information that wasn't available before. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but to 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 the to the broader point of grief representation in media, it's interesting. I, I think this could probably be said for most human experiences, but there's such a broad spectrum, and there are probably versions of this where just one small piece of information completely changes your view on something and allows you, um, you know, gives you gives you enough to process or to move through a difficult time. Yeah. Uh, okay. While while other times we're super resistant to it and it's way harder and more difficult. Even like every time someone brings up the five stages of grief, I love to be the kind of the uh, devil's advocate. Yeah. Well, not just the devil's advocate, but like yeah, like move things around. Like well, you know, just so we're clear, that now we're we all agree that they don't happen in that particular order, and you don't even right. have to go through all of those stages, right? And yeah. Plus, it's just one theory. <laughs> You yeah, know? and it's good to. I like to bring that up just so that people, because if we only see it as, if we only see that it's like, if we only see grief as one possible way to do it, then when you inevitably experience it in a different way, you might think that it's not correct. So I appreciate different representations of it, and and yeah, I, I like this this the simplicity of it. I I feel to me it's like there was a puzzle. You know, yeah. and it was a missing piece, and he got the missing piece, and now he sees a bigger picture, and 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 it changes the way he sees everything. And sometimes, I don't know. In again, I trained in rational emotive behavior therapy, and like the rational part is a big part of it. Like sometimes, sometimes I would just like bring up statistics to people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the middle of a session, because you have this view of the world, and you're like, well, actually. Like, let's look at the stats. <laughs> you know, let's look at the yeah. actual numbers. And they're like, oh, like the like I thought the odds of me, you know, getting hurt in this way was way higher, but it's actually way lower lower. And that's comforting enough to like make people make progress. So Yeah, it, it's true. Yeah. External yeah. information can really make a big difference. And you can help somebody. I mean, what we're really looking to do is tack on new meaning to old to yeah. old patterns. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I, I can see it that way too. I was just thinking as you're talking about that about uh, Shakti Pot. Have I ever talked about Shakti Pot before? I believe so. Yeah, okay. on the show. Oh, okay. All right. I know we've, yeah, like we've talked about it. I think I think it's come up before on the show, maybe. But go for it. Go for it again. Well, doggone it. Uh, Do it. Well, this is a review then. Yeah. Uh, so, and I don't even know if I'm saying the word right, but I know that Shakti Pot is like there's a someone who is striving for this excellence. They're striving to be open and enlightened you know in in the in the hindu and buddhist sense of the word enlightened and uh a well-known practitioner of the arts comes up to him and just adjusts one little something on their body and everything falls in place suddenly it's like just one adjustment from the outside and suddenly you're on track in a sense that's what's going on here and we do that in therapy sometimes we'll interject just one little piece of information that causes all the pieces to conglomerate around it, and suddenly we have a full thing as opposed to the fragments. So that's fair, too. That's a fair assessment. I was uh, I just had a conversation with someone earlier today, and I was telling them that when I when I went to a few uh, like silent B- Buddhist silent meditation retreats that lasted many days, at the end of them, or in the middle of them, I always thought like this would be so much more helpful for my clients than therapy. <laughs> uh, and and the particular kind of uh, um, Buddhist uh, or like meditation practice that that I've that I've studied um, most intensely and practiced is called vipassana, and I believe it that mm-hmm. that term translates into uh, see things as they are. Okay. And I think it's it's that moment of clarity that comes from like I'm I'm not saying that once you see things clearly like that you need to see things clearly to be able to move forward. I'm, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. That's that's what. But that's kind of the Pasanis theory. Like it's like hey, they even say like psh, we don't know exactly how it works, but we know that when people see. I don't want to say truth, right? But when you see things <laughs> more clearly, yeah, it's it it's different than when you than when you don't see them clearly. And I don't know. Again, in in this particular case, I think he was there was there was information that he didn't even know was missing. And once he had more information, he saw a, a complete picture, and that that was helpful for him. I'm not saying that's you know a universal truth, but <laughs> sure. but I think I think there's something there's something to that. I mean, the whole the opposite is also true, right? If if you are missing information, that completely changes your perspective and your behavior and the way you you maybe sometimes omitting information can be can lead to more progress than not. I mean, that I mean, we could this conversation could go in either way. Well, true, and we could look back <laughs> at Sinclair and talk about his role in that because he was missing information, certainly. Yeah, that propelled him forward in a way that that having those answers like he behaved in a way because he had a gap in his mind that he wouldn't yeah. have had he would have behaved differently had he not had a gap in his mind yeah yeah the hole yeah yeah hole in his mind was right yeah hole in his mind gap hole it's it's all the same thing right it's it's yeah. an emptiness i want to quote the writers exactly uh okay i think it was hole well, in his I, mind i, think I, I don't right. know if i don't know if it was talked about both ways i do remember that the uh the Membari said to him, there is a hole in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, so this, uh, 
I, I was almost like trying to lean into the possibility that Babylon 5 does this for us in the first place. It fills in those holes for us and we create the whole... No, I'm not going to go into that kind it's of It's hard. It's a analysis. stretch. You can try, but... <laughs> Babylon 5 brings the world together into a picture I can understand. <laughs> and just, there's, like, there's more and more mysteries, right? More and more. Like, I didn't even go into the, like, into, the, like, Morden more Morden stuff, you know, like Morden's just yeah. like this specter that's there. I almost like the fact that he's human or he looks human, like bothers me because it's like, he's, it's like, he's, he's the, the, the lawyer for like these, <laughs> these, yeah these, uh, creatures, aliens, entities that we're, that are, com- are com- mostly a mystery. Like now we've seen like their ships, right? And those ships don't look like other ships, right? Like there's something about them. We call them this darkness, you know, in this, in the Narn um, scriptures. And there's like, like people, ah, but there's something about like more than just being human. <laughs> that bugs me so much. Yeah. Ah. You know, if, if it wasn't for the fact that we know who he is on the show, I would have thought used car salesman or televangelist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, oh, he's like always smiling. Mr. Malari, how can I help you get into this car right here? Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, he's talking about genocide. Like, <laughs> like I got genocide for you. You want genocide? Like, I got with genocide. such a nonchalance, too. I got a little genocide, big genocide, all genocide. What kind of genocide do you want? Get you a good deal. <laughs> you just name what you want. I yep. will give it to you. Who do you want to genocide? Just let us know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Can't yeah, wait. Morton's watch slick, the next one. and uh, he feels really super creepy when you see him. Mm-hmm. And he never not smiles. Mm-hmm. That's, that's even more creepy. Yeah, he is unsettling in general. <laughs> so I do love that they used uh, that that uh, Jakar reads from Yates the Second Coming uh, yeah. when he's talking to Natath, uh, you know, kind of pointing out that th- these humans actually do have some good artwork, some yeah. good, some good media. Um, that is that is one of the greatest poems that I know of. And uh, I think I see it a lot. I mean, a lot of different media uses it, but it's because it's so perfect in the midst of all the things that go on in the world. It's even pretty perfect for right now, (laughs) (laughs) given that we're going through uh, COVID-19 isolation and all this other crazy crap. Yeah. Uh, Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood dim tide is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. Uh, I was reading uh, about Straczynski, and he said he thinks it's really important to make sure that he adds literature to his his show because he feels like people have lost the meaning in literature, and he wants to bring them back to it. And he does that on a regular basis. He's constantly throwing in references to media and things that he's loved across the years. So adding that, you know, adding Lincoln's speech, all these different little pieces that he throws in there, it's meant to guide the watcher to something bigger. So, I mean, as a slightly off topic, but uh, you're reading um, Becoming Superman by JMS. Yes, yes. Right now. Has there been any mention of, of Babylon 5 yet or, or anything that might give you some insight into? Not, Not really, no. Okay. He's... Uh, 
you know, where I'm at in the story right now, he's 18 years old, maybe 19 years old. Got it. He's just met Rod Serling. Um, just a quick kind of flyby okay. moment okay. that okay. he didn't recognize, but it's, uh, he's, he's busy becoming a writer at this point. Got it. And, uh, it, it's a fascinating story. I would recommend it to anyone who wants to know more about Straczynski, but also just anyone who wants to know more about the human condition. Cause Straczynski went through a lot, uh, to get to where he is now. And you can kind of see how, how trauma and terrible things in your life can be turned into something really meaningful to others. Yeah. Yeah. He did talk about the fact that he got the ideas for Sensate in that early time in his life. Mm, okay. Okay. So that, that's enough Sense8? of a teaser. I, I really it? just want people to listen to it because it's read by Peter Jurassic. It's read by Londa Malari, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Have you watched Sensate? I forgot if I've asked you this before. I have watched uh, almost all of it. Got it. Oh, you're missing the final movie, correct? I'm missing the final movie and maybe the last few episodes. Okay. 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 You know, it's sad, Hostway, and I don't know if that's true for all media that I consume, but when I know that an end is coming, and the it. end is coming and it's it's being truncated in some way, which I know for a fact that Sensei was supposed to last longer, mm-hmm. Um it makes me lose interest in it more. And that's not fair to the writer who writes amazing stuff. Um, But that is my experience of it. And I'm annoyed with it in myself, but I'm more likely to tack myself onto something I see as growing as opposed to something I see truncated. I get it. I get it. In the case of Sense8, at least, uh, they did get to do a final like two-hour movie to wrap up the story. Yeah. And I I think it... I think it works out really well. <laughs> I, I've heard that they did a really good job with it. Yeah. And um, I have to say that I, I think that uh, unfortunately, or fortunately as the case may be, Straczynski has gotten better and better at fixing things when people say, ah, cut, we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. So... I like this new trend of finishing the episodes like pretty far off. <laughs> like we go, we go off, you know, we, we drift a little bit. Wait, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that's, I like it. That's worthwhile. I'm not complaining. I like it. <laughs> it, it puts our, our personal uh, footprint onto what we're talking about as opposed to just being talking heads talking about Babylon 5. Yeah, yeah. We are passionate talking heads. Yes. We are like uh, same as it ever was talking heads. That's uh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, next time around we have the geometry of shadows. I like the title. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to our next discussion. I just, oh man, can we go faster? Can we just go? (laughs) You know, I wish we could. Like we're recording every two weeks, which means we're watching an episode every two weeks. No, and we're we're trying to we're recording every week right now. Right now we're we're going every week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Last we week did. and this week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. No. This is this is good. I didn't even. So next week we'll do another. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. But we'll go faster. <laughs> okay. So what I've learned, Josue, and this is completely off Babylon Five talking, but what I, what I've learned is that okay, 
we're in the midst of COVID-19, isolation, social distancing kind of thing right now. And time does not flow the same as it used to. <laughs> well, there's that. But I've also learned that if I have a project that I can attach myself to, no matter how many projects it is, and I have a bunch right now, mm-hmm. I seem to weather the storm much better than I would if I didn't have any direction. Yeah. So I, I fill the void with project. Man, the Geek Therapy Network and everything we do at Geek Therapy has been like the thing that has kept me sane. And also, uh, there was a point where it was so hard to actually do it that the uh, the loss of it was uh, very difficult for me. So I totally get it. Yeah, it's like it's these personal passion projects that are like make make everything worth it make everything easier give direction and purpose and i get it i get it yeah yeah i I think i might have mentioned about a week and a half ago i had like a total breakdown Hmm. and i look back on that and it's because i got up that morning i said i'm not doing anything today Hmm. huh i mean that's that's one answer but it's an answer that seems to put some meaning into my way of looking at it because i'm like oh yeah i didn't have any any motivation to do anything that day and thus I felt like I was inconsequential and unable to do anything. So that's that's a crazy realization. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's some that's some deep insight. It's like what was different that day? Oh yeah, I literally got off the rails, and then it was difficult to get back on. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That, literally, yeah. that that's that's a perfect example. You know, it's a. I don't know if it's inauthentic to say that I am just constantly filling the hole with something. I mean, I'm a good existentialist, so I know that I'm always going to leave a gap somewhere in my mind or somewhere in my, in my being. You're such a good um, existentialist. <laughs> <laughs> just in the sense that like, I'm always trying to, I'm always aware that I am putting something in front of myself to avoid all the other things that are in front of me. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a good existentialist. I don't know if there's such a thing. <laughs> such a You're good a terrible existentialist. existentialist. Go to your room. <laughs> Who's a That's good great, existentialist? Mom, I can work on my Legos. <laughs> Who's a good existentialist? You are. <laughs> <laughs> Who's my little Freudian? Who's my little Freudian? <laughs> Man, I mean, one of the most cliche things that a podcaster can say is that, like, you know, we do this for the love of it. We do it for us. And if someone else is here joining us, then that makes it a million times better. But ultimately, we're doing it for us. And and yeah, man, I'm I'm with you. These, uh, I mean, I I and I say this without any sort of um, uh, like like I say this in all seriousness that entertainment and connecting over entertainment, like these are things that make life worth living. You know, so like not having those things that you feel like that are worth it, you know? Uh, it's, it, sometimes the most, sometimes the best work we can do, uh, as helpers is to help people find those things to, that allow them to feel and allow them to like give them direction and, and allow them to experience things that they couldn't experience otherwise and, and make them want to get up in the morning and, and pursue I mean, yeah. you know, like I, I truly believe that's a big part of why, you know, like sometimes when people retire, they die real quick. It's like, they don't like, what, what I'm, I've been so worried about my mom when she retired from work yeah. because of this, because you hear this constantly like, oh, they retired and four months later they just died. 
It's like, what? How? Wh- why does that happen? And thankfully, like my mom, my mom is like, is part of this tribe. <laughs> she's like, I'm like, she's like, oh, so wait, I'm watching this show. It's amazing. <laughs> and yeah. I'll call her and she's like, I'm reading one of my novels and she's playing her games. And like, she is, she's got all of these smaller things and some that are like super huge. And she loves, you know, she, she finds a lot of, uh, a lot of meaning in, in, in different media. And I'm so glad that she has access to that and that she, she enjoys it and, and recognizes what it does for her. Yeah. It's, it's making meaning in the midst of not having meaning that makes us go forward. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where geek therapy is born. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Take, I've been, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're doing a show on Babylon five. Why? Because we think Babylon five matters. Why? Because it mattered to us. There you go. Well, to Woody specifically. And now it matters to me because I'm sharing it with Woody and, and he, he, he has uh, good taste sometimes. And he, he told me he thought that I would enjoy it and, and he was right and I'm enjoying it. And this thing that we're sharing, like, unfortunately right now, like I don't have, I can't share Babylon five with anybody else right now. It's very yeah. much our thing. It is, <laughs> but I, but I'm, I'm loving it, man. I was, I love having like the deadline of like, I need to watch this episode by this day because you know, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's yeah. Good. It's, it's, it's good to have the deadline and, and keep it going. Yeah. And one day, one day other people will join us on this journey. <laughs> if you ever publish this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. <laughs> All right, for, so for the future, for those people in the future who finally do get to listen to this, thanks so much for listening. Uh, it's been exciting to talk to you, Josue, and I look forward to the Geometry of Shadows. For the record, we're recording this on April 8th, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Be seeing you.